0: need a high-end designer or a lot of money to get a luxe look be your own interior designer with big design small budget here's your host Betsy Helmuth once you have all your foundational pieces in place how do you make your space look amazing how do you get it ready for your house beautiful photo shoot it's all about styling It's all about styling your surfaces. That's what we're talking about today on Big Design, Small Budget. So you've got your bookcase in place. You've got that side table right next to the sofa where it belongs. How do you make it look fantastic? How do you add elements of your personality to this space? The key is styling. Now when we're styling, as some of you know from my Styling Your Home class, let's talk about a few general rules before we get really specific. And just in case you haven't taken my class, go to the website affordableinteriordesign.com and you can click on the online class and take it right away. You won't want to miss it and of course it goes a lot more in depth. But today on our podcast, I'm going to be covering a few things that I don't actually cover in the class as well. So first things first. When you're styling, you want to make sure that the tchotchkes that you're planning on using or the things you're going to mix in with the books and functional items, those decorative pieces, you want to make sure they're 5 to 11 inches high. Anything under 5 inches is not actually an accessory. It's a piece of crap. It's a dust collector. That means when I'm entering your living room and looking at that bookcase, I can't tell what anything under 5 inches actually is. It doesn't have any sort of visual impact other than looking a little bit cluttery. So make sure you get something larger than 5 inches so that way I can visually understand what it is from afar but also make sure that it's not higher than 10 inches because anything bigger than 10 inches starts to take over visually. No longer is it just an accent. Now it tends to become something that really starts to dominate the look and feel of the place. And I think in my book and or in my class I said 14. 14 inches was the cutoff. So let me be flexible with that. Today I was just feeling like 10 inches, but I feel firm on my five inch minimum. And, uh, I'll give you a 14-inch maximum. But anything bigger than 14 inches, like I said, has too much visual presence and it can start to feel like a theme room. Say you have a large tapestry from Guatemala. It can take over in terms of color palette and no longer be just a dainty accessory. It starts to really drive the room in terms of feel and look. Also, when you're accessorizing, when you're putting things on a mantle or when you're styling an entry console, make sure you're thinking about odd numbers. For instance, if I was going to put a stack of books on a coffee table, which I frequently do, then I would make sure to stack three books or five books. But I would not stack two and I would not stack four because even numbers don't feel as organic to us. They feel a little bit more contrived and less visually interesting. So Go for something more visually complex by making odd numbers in terms of your groupings. In other words, if I was putting something on the dining table like a bowl of oranges, I would make sure to do an odd number like 7, 9, 11. Also, when I'm styling something like a shelf, on each shelf, I want to make sure that I mix both personal and generic items. Personal meaning a rock I found on my honeymoon, a picture of me and my family skiing, uh, something that you found or something that has a personal memory attached to it. I like to put it next to something that doesn't have any memories besides the fact that I picked it up at Crate & Barrel or I liked it online at West Elm. So when you mix both the personal and the generic, you get a more visually interesting space. If everything on the shelf was personal, it would start to feel like your diary exploded, start to feel a little bit unapproachable. However, if everything was generic, if you just went to Home Goods and got all your accessories, it would start to feel like a stage department you'd start to wonder as a guest, who really lives here? I'd love to see a little personality or something unique. So it's that fun mix that offers conversation starters without paralyzing someone and making them feel like they're seeing too much of you when they walk in. All right, so now that we have those general basics down, let's get specific and talk about the bookcase. So with a bookcase... Certainly, it's meant to hold books. And I am a strong believer in practicality over style. First things first, the piece of furniture you bought has to serve its purpose. A bookcase needs to store your books. Secondly, it needs to look cute. So that is definitely something I'm always thinking about when I'm designing practicality first. Now, if you have a ton of books, well, certainly you can just chalk that bookcase full. But if you do have a ton of books, I want you to chalk it full in a style-minded way. That means organizing your books by height, maybe putting some of them on a horizontal versus doing all of them vertical. That might mean organizing them by color, which I think is a little bit tricky to do. Many of my books aren't colorful. And so while you see in magazines this rainbow spread, it can be hard to recreate with books that we actually own. So if you do have a very wide collection of colorful spines, try the rainbow effect because I really do like it in pictures, but can't get it to work for myself. I'm missing a lot of those rainbow colors and most of my books are just brown. Speaking of the spines, I don't like dust covers. So dust covers are the paper cover that's over your book that tend to get ratty if you're actually reading your book. So, I remove them just because it creates a more classic, clean look, especially if they're raggedy. Even if they're not raggedy, I think seeing that kind of metallic name on the spine is just always a nicer look than seeing the paper. Now, My husband has a ton of books and he's really adamant that he doesn't want to do it by size. Believe me, I tried. And he definitely does not want to organize them by color. He likes them by subject. So he has his comedy books, then he has his baseball books, then he has his comedy TV books versus comedy writing books. So he really needs them grouped for emotional stability and home happiness. So there we go. But for me, it's just too dense And since there's no rhyme or reason to their visual structure, even if there is subject matter wise, I think it's really important to mix in tchotchkes. So lucky for me, in addition to having lots of books, he also has lots of personal tchotchkes that remind him of fun things like bobbleheads and different sort of props he's collected from TV sets. And so I love mixing that in, even if it's not next to the books, because he has so many books that we can't even leave a space for some of those tchotchkes. I can't even insert a bookend without cramping his style. So what I do is I move the books to the back of the bookcase and style in front of the books. So I'll put that bobblehead in front of the sports books. I'll lay down that framed ticket stub that he has leaning on the front of the books. So that way I still get that visual mix while maximizing the book storage. Now, in a perfect world, I would be able to mix in tchotchkes and not have books go straight side to side. And that's when adorable bookends come in. And I do love adorable bookends. My favorite shops for bookends include Pottery Barn, West Elm, and CB2. Here is another design crush I have besides just bookends. I love bookcases that have cabinets at the bottom. It just breaks up all the open, exposed shelving and gives you a place to put the books that are less than cute. Or maybe they're subjects that you don't necessarily want all your guests to see. Keep the Kama Sutra in the cabinet. You know what I'm saying? And now it's time for a quick commercial break. You've asked for it, and we have answered the call. For years, you've been saying, Betsy, Anyway, I like the idea of the cabinet breaking up the shelving and housing things that are media-related like DVDs, which don't actually ever need to be on display, or games. So I like looking for something like that if you're looking for a bookcase now. Home Decorators has really great bookcase with cabinets on the bottom. Crate and Barrel also has a couple. Pottery Barn has them, but they're quite expensive. So my first stop shop when looking for things like that is either Ikea or that home decorator site I was mentioning earlier. Now if you already have your bookcases and they don't happen to have cabinets at the bottom like mine, what I like to do to create a similar effect is get baskets that have lids. So if you put baskets with lids on the bottom shelves, people still don't know what's inside the basket. My baskets are filled with toys that then my kids can pull out and enjoy in the living room, but put back and then we don't have to see what's in there because of that wonderful lid. Places with good baskets with lids, Pier 1, World Market, and yes, Pottery Barn, my personal baskets are from Pottery Barn, and they look amazing on my modern IKEA shelving and I don't see any Legos and If I did have questionable books um, which maybe I do, and maybe I don't. you might have to wait for the design TMI folks, but anyway, if I did have questionable books or magazines that were a little bit tattered, I think it's the perfect place for those as well. now I'm going to share a little who does that. Who does that? When I open up magazines and I see people who have styled bookcases, sometimes I ask myself, who does that? Who would ever do that? And here are two things I just can't stand. The first is when designers tell you to flip your book the wrong way so that way the pages show but the spines don't. I just think that's so impractical. Additionally, Usually the pages aren't that cute. I personally don't dog-ear my books, no judgment. But still, the pages just hold no allure and I think most people would just be wondering what are the books versus that looks so amazing. So in practice, I just don't get the turnaround. The other thing I just don't get is covering every single one of your books in craft paper or gift wrap. I think it's a really fun idea if you're styling a coffee table for a party, or if you're styling just one decorative surface to create a moment, but sometimes in magazines you see rows and rows of books covered in craft paper, and for me it's just, first of all, too labor intensive. Like, who has the time to cover 100 plus books in craft paper, and second of all, I don't always love the desired effect. I was just staying at a hotel in Miami and they had rows and rows of books covered in white paper. And not only did they look a little dusty and dingy, they also, it just didn't work for me. It didn't work for me. It looked contrived. They looked like they were trying too hard. Now, now that I've done my, uh, who does that rant, it's time for a question from you. Yelena, talk to me. Betsy, my question to you is How do you style shelves, like bookshelves, countertops, such as fireplace mantles, and even dressers? I just never know which pieces to put candles, pictures. Sometimes it looks too cluttered. Sometimes the colors don't match. I just want to know if there's one recipe for success. Okay, well, let's start with an answer to your first question about decorating a fireplace mantle. Something I should have said way back in the general styling tips is you never ever ever want your object or item to hang over the shelf or mantel. So make sure that whatever you're putting on the shelf is less deep than the shelf itself. So don't have anything hanging over your mantel. Now I want to ask you, which you didn't mention in your audio clip, is if the fireplace is wood burning. If it is word burning, I would not style the top with candles. If we're thinking about feng shui or thinking about the elements of nature, you already have a thing that produces fire, so to have additional fire pieces, candles on the top is just redundant. So instead, I would look for something that contrasts that, something that has a cooler element. Like I would add something that's metallic or I would add something that's glass, giving the illusion of water, which is the opposite of fire. So I would style with glass vases or metal picture frames that would be my recommendation I have a wood-burning fireplace and I just got the most adorable items on West Elm you'll have to run not walk because they were on clearance but they were these little glass houses with a mirrored back and I'm gonna put a fun little tchotchke on top and not only does it remind me of how cozy being in front of a fireplace in your home can be because of these little houses but also that glass and mirror will offset the heat of the fireplace And they look so cute up there and they were a steal i'll provide a link on my show notes page on bigdesignsmallbudget.com but you will want to click through asap because i think i might have bought some of the last ones now if your fireplace is not wood burning then you need to add a fire element because there's not intrinsically one in the fireplace so then i highly recommend maybe getting a thin tray that you could buy at a, a lot of different places And then styling that with maybe a set of pillar candles. I love the pillar candles at Ikea and they are so affordable. And for instance, if you got a set of all cream ones in different heights and just chalked that little tray full, I think it could look really great and add that element that's missing from a non-wood burning fireplace. I also like just chalking it filled with frames. That's another really great thing to do that's just so classic and since the focal point of a room is architecturally a fireplace if you have one, it can really make sense to focus on looking at your family or friends or places you love. So I do like that classic look of just filling it full with something like that. If it's a small or shallow fireplace mantle, I tend to keep it really cohesive and do all the same thing. Like, this is the time to showcase a collection if you have one. Typically, I don't like the C word because it promotes clutter. Collections, clutter, there's a reason they start with the same letter. But in this case, it could be really fun to just group a whole bunch of things on there. I'm thinking of, like, orange vases. I don't know why I'm thinking of that. But if you just did a really big collection of, remember, an odd number of orange vases. I also think that that could be really impactful. And I had this amazing idea a while back, did I share it with you? I don't know, but I think it's a really good idea. If you're having a housewarming party, instead of having people bring booze, which is always nice but let's get a little more original, you can have somebody bring a piece of orange pottery. So that way you can add them to your collection and put them on your mantle and it can remind you of your party and everyone can feel like they contributed something to your decor. So you can say in lieu of whatever, bring something orange. (laughs) Anyway, I just think it's a fun way to add a different element to your party and to your home. So there we go. Now you had also mentioned something about styling dressers. And remember earlier in the episode, practicality first, decoration second. So on top of dressers, I frequently recommend a jewelry box or a jewelry tree. And then if you wanted to put a tray on your dresser, you could style that tray sort of like you would a vanity table with favorite makeups or perfumes. And then if you hung a mirror above your dresser, it could really serve as a vanity table as long as it's a dresser that's not so high that you can't see your reflection in the mirror when you hang it there. So that is practicality. Another practical thing to put on a dresser is a lamp. Because you know that I recommend that every room have at least three lamps. And in a bedroom, it can be hard to achieve that number because there's just not very many surfaces. You have two nightstands, there's two lamps, but where do you put the third? And my answer is usually a dresser. So that can be a really beautiful sculptural thing that lights up that you can add to your dresser. Just remember that if you're putting a lamp on top of your dresser, you want to make sure that it contrasts. In other words, if you have a dark wooden dresser, you might want to put a light ceramic colored lamp on top. So that way when you squint, it doesn't feel like it's the same material. In other words, I wouldn't put a dark brown lamp on top. Um, It will just create that visual interest And help look like a sculpture or a beautiful accent while also giving you functionality and of course you can put frames on there too but you remember my rule I don't love pictures of or anything made by people you don't want to make out with in your bedroom so this is not the place for pictures of your children this is not the place for photos from your family reunion or gosh forbid your high school reunion. Make sure that the photos are of pictures that are soothing, places that are calming for you, of you and your significant other, or just of a, a beautiful photograph, an image of something that's really moving but doesn't have people if you don't want to make out with them. Um, let me also say floating shelves. So floating shelves are shelves that hang on your wall that are just up there like a piece of art. And a lot of my clients become tragically addicted to floating shelves. They think they look cute in a book. They think they look cute in their hallway. So then they decide to do them in their guest room. And then they decide to do them in their bedroom. And then they decide to do them in their bathroom. And they just OD because they're affordable and they break the wall art up a little bit. But these are not really functional shelves. They are meant for display only. So I don't like it when people chalk it full with a lot of books because even if it can take it, it looks precarious. It looks too heavy, too full. And so it's not pleasing to the eye. So this is only really a place for decoration. I would not consider floating shelves to have much practicality at all. This is not where you put your favorite books for reading every night. This is not where you put keys and mail every day. It just visually is supposed to be decorative. So don't overpack it and don't use more than one set of two in your entire home because they can start to look a little contrived. Let's see what else. I think it's time. I think it's time for my design TMI. Design. TMI. So... You guys may know, I'm not sure if I've shared this before, but certainly um, my family knows. I'm a little bit messy. Is it an oxymoron to be a messy interior designer? I don't think so. The good thing about being messy is I really understand my clients' challenges and stuff happens to me too. Like I totally get how mail can pile up. I totally get how I'm never going to hang my coat up in a coat closet. I need a hook right there when I walk in. So there's no judgment and I think it gives me a unique point of view, but I'm just going to share with you, I'm a little bit messy. And so one way that I prevent myself from being too cluttery is that I'm very intentional with the styling of my entry console. I have an entry console that has a tray on it for keys and mail and I'm really specific about when the tray gets overfilled. In other words, when things are spilling out off the tray, you have to go through the mail, which for me is about every week and a half. Um, But then on the other side of the console, I do not leave that area open because that will be an area that I will put magazines, mittens, handbags. That will start to become cluttery and will not be cute. So I intentionally put something decorative there to prevent myself from doing something naughty. And I do something chunky there. So next to that tray that's awfully functional and practical for me, I will do a grouping of chunky ceramic vases. That's what I currently have there now. Or I will do large picture frames. Something that's hard for me to scoot aside so that way I have no option. I cannot put my bottled water there. I cannot put my pens there so i do something that takes up a lot of space is hard to move and is really cute so that way it sets the stage when people walk in Ooh, that's so great little do they know that's preventing me from being a clutter bug. So hopefully that translates for you in some way, and hopefully that's helped in terms of styling your surfaces. If you have questions about your surfaces, feel free to write in. I love answering your design questions. Send me an audio file or send me an email to Betsy at AffordableInteriorDesign.com. And of course, if you want to hear more episodes, I think we're on episode 46 by now. If you've missed the other 45, please go to BigDesignSmallBudget.com. You'll see show notes for all our previous episodes and listen to whichever ones strike your fancy. And if this podcast is striking your fancy, I would love for you to rate and review us on iTunes. Those reviews keep us going strong. So be sure to spread the love, tell your friends, and write a review on iTunes for us. Thanks everyone for listening. Until next Tuesday, I'm Betsy Helmuth. Are you a fan of this podcast? Do you wish there was even more juicy content for you to sink your ears into? Well… There is. You can become a premium member of this podcast for $5.99 a month and get full access to an archive of over 50 bonus episodes. Additionally, we release a bonus episode Check us out at affordableinteriordesign.com. Click on podcast to learn more and to become a premium member today. Bye.